before we have Darshan, I just had a couple of announcements. Firstly, it seems like a very good opportunity to let you know about our Shiva Process self-inquiry training that's offered here at the ashram. Swamiji says of self-inquiry that it's a powerful method of meditation. Not only is it an instrument of self-realisation, but proper use of Shiva Process will revolutionise and enliven every aspect of life. So if you are looking for the next step in your spiritual practice, then I really highly recommend taking one of these courses. There's level one, which is a six-week course about learning to do self-inquiry on yourself. And level two is a 12-week course about learning how to use techniques to process your family and friends. And these courses are offered here at the ashram, but they're also offered online via Zoom. And um, having used the Zoom function over the lockdown, I can say it, it really, it works incredibly well. There's more information on our website and there's also this brochure at reception if you'd like to pick one of those up. We also have Baba's birthday satsang coming up next Saturday the 15th of May, so please join us for that um, celebration. Welcome everybody. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Wow, what a festival tonight, huh? <clears throat> so I like to uh, begin all my talks uh, as Baba did. He used to say always in Hindi, With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that to welcome another person is the essence of spirituality. And to do that, the first thing you have to do is learn to welcome yourself with love. And only then can you really welcome another person. So for that reason, we practice meditation, self-inquiry. So it's wonderful to see you all here tonight on this auspicious occasion. So I was thinking, what would be appropriate for Mother's Day? And first I asked the mother to do the satsang, and then she told me, no, you do it. So I said, okay, and uh, she always likes me to do Baba. Then I had a brainwave, and deep in my archives I found uh, a question answer that Baba did on uh, September 24th, 1974, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And it, it was actually the first program that Davy Ma went to. It was, it was the night the day, the day that Davy Ma met Baba, and this is the, uh, the program that happened. What happened was that um, <clears throat> in, uh, I went with Baba on the second world tour. We traveled through Australia and California, and while we were in California, he sent me uh, and uh, my then wife, Girija, uh, to uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, the beginning ashram. And uh, then uh, he said he'll come, he'll come visit. So he came for two weeks uh, in September. <clears throat> and we arranged during that time that we were preparing it, we met a, a, a distinguished professor and a psychology professor at the University of Michigan. <clears throat> he became very interested. Uh, and so he arranged uh, for a lot of professors to meet Baba on this particular day. 
and that's the uh, occasion of that. But let's see, we have some photographs. What do you have for us? First of all, ah, this is the, uh, the opening of the Ann Arbor Ashram. Uh, that uh, young fellow there, uh, he's me, and Bob is cutting the tape, and Girija, Mother Girija is there. So, and then, uh, next. This was taken in the Ann Arbor Ashram during that day, the great Tibetan saint, Vakarmapa, came to visit Baba. They were uh, friends, he had visited Baba in uh, at the Ganeshpur Ashram previously, and they were both touring the States, and they came and had an incredible time together uh, in the Ann Arbor Ashram during those two weeks. What do you have next? Well, that's the Ann Arbor Ashram. And then? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Devi Ma in her Ann Arbor days. Would you recognize her? Okay, and next, what else? And then I have to salute my own mother. They, uh, they came to Ganeshpuri and met Baba in 1972, Pop and Mom. Okay, so here we go. <coughs> September, well, I'm not sure exact date. It says here September 23rd, but that can't be right because he got there on the 24th, so we'll leave it to the scholars. And Baba's talk, it was in an, in an afternoon or morning, it was during the day. <clears throat> Baba was told that there was a bunch of academics, not only psychologists, but others. And Baba says, all over the country I've, I've encountered many students of psychology at Stanford and Sonoma State. He'd been in California and spoke to academics there. <clears throat> and I attended a conference of humanistic psychology in San Diego. <clears throat> At the universities and outside, I met a lot of psychologists. For everyone without exception, the mind seems to be a problem. No matter whether you're poor or rich, your mind doesn't seem to like you, or doesn't seem to like yourself. <clears throat> if you're a student, you're not satisfied with learning but at the same time, you're not willing to become stupid. <laughs> the mind is a very strange place. If you're a woman, you don't feel happy being a woman. If you're a man, you don't feel happy being a man. And this is the kind of state the mind seems to be in, and a very unpleasant one. The mind seems to behave in a very strange fashion. It becomes unhappy even when it has everything. It seems to be tormenting everyone. I wonder who knows how many people there are who haven't been tormented by their minds. In India also, there have been very many psychologists, right from time unknown, who have been involved with the mind and have tried to understand its nature, who have tried to find ways to tackle it. <clears throat> In India, you have different rituals and methods of worship for the purification of the mind and they are widely current. And the objective in India has been to purify the mind because the mind causes so much trouble. The goal of our sages and seers was to make the mind still. 
to free it from passions and to stabilize, stabilize it, to quiet it. Our ancient seers taught that it would not matter if you did not have too many clothes to wear or if you got a little less food to eat, but you must free yourself from the strangeness of the mind. A certain kind of mind produces agitation and anxiety and suffering even in the midst of affluence. It doesn't seem to know how to become quiet or still. It's for this reason that our ancient sages and seers were involved with finding out ways through yoga, through meditation and through right knowledge to still the mind, to make it steady and to free it of all its defects and thus to live one's life in happiness and joy. Baba says, now I've told you about the goal of our sages, I'd like to hear from you. <clears throat> series of questions. So Baba was talking about what I call second education. The first education, which I was very involved in for many, many years as an academic, is our normal Western education, where we acquire information, methods, techniques, all kinds of things. Um, and that's one kind of education. It's the only kind that we generally know about. But there is a second education, which we could call spiritual education, in which the person is transformed and learns how to use the apparatus of the mind, not just acquire techniques and information, but to use it so that it moves towards happiness, so that it moves towards peace. And this is a whole different thing. This is called second education. In India, we called it sadhana, or spiritual practice, where you actually work on yourself to transform the mind. And if you discover bad tendencies of the mind, a tendency <clears throat> to get angry, a tendency to get depressed, a tendency to get jealous, a tendency to feel worried and scared and so on. All these, and all these tendencies, we all have one or more of these tendencies. And when we have them, that makes us miserable. But it's possible through meditation, through inquiry, to tackle them and overcome them. And that's what second education is about. <clears throat> so question, first question says, and this was from uh, the psychologist I mentioned to you that, that we met uh, and that was there that organized it. Uh, and he says, uh, it's just as you said, there are the minds we walked in with today, it's hard to hear just one voice inside. Precisely what you said is true. There are thousands of voices going on inside. <clears throat> Baba says, it's essential to reduce the number of these voices and to make sure you're hearing only one voice from within. It's precisely for this reason that the ancient seers in India who lived long ago used to honor meditation so much. Through meditation, they would cleanse their mind and conduct their normal lives in a state of peace and cheerfulness. <clears throat> Sometimes it happens that through one's effort, through the strength of one's endeavor, one becomes free of thought for a few moments, and that is very good. If one could attain the state which is free of thoughts through meditation, then one would be able to live one's life peacefully in spite of one's mind. 
And here he's talking about the goal of meditation. I like to call it the clear space of good feeling. It's when the mind is peaceful and the feeling is positive. And we've all experienced that state. You could say that the whole inner quest could be reduced to the quest for that clear state of good feeling, clear space of good feeling. We've all had it, but we lose it. And then we think, how am I going to get it again? Then we lose it again. And if we learn the art of holding that space, finding that space, and holding it, and when we're not in that space of getting back to it, that's the whole of the, the inner process. We have the illusion <clears throat> that through externals we can create that space. Because after all, what do we do everything for? From satisfaction, peace, happiness. So everything is designed to reach that inner space, but the world's very fickle, and so you, sometimes you have success and sometimes you don't. But by going directly to it, you can cultivate that inner space, the clear space of good feeling. Question. <clears throat> when you say it's possible, sorry, I'm, <clears throat> when you say it's possible, I have that <clears throat> thing. What is it? A frog? <clears throat> no, I don't think you can do much about it. <clears throat> no, I don't think I can do much about it. Let me try this. Vodka. <laughs> that helps. <clears throat> when you say it's... <clears throat> no, I really have that. Want to chew? No. <clears throat> You'll just have to hear. It's two people speaking. When you say it's possible to live one's life peacefully by means of meditation, one can have a quiet mind. Are you saying that American people like us could live the kind of lives we do with the business and distractions. We could live those lives joyfully. Or can you live a normal Western life joyfully? If we could meditate successfully, or we would have to change our lives in order to meditate successfully. We have to go to the Himalayas and go to a cave. Baba says, you don't have to change your lifestyle. I've been traveling through different countries, and I don't find much difference in the lifestyle of different countries. No matter how busy your life is, that is not in itself an obstacle. It's your attitude towards it which is an obstacle. That's the way we look at our lives. It's quite possible for a person to develop the power of the intellect or the power by means of which one can effectively operate even in the midst of life, even in the midst of the most unfavorable circumstances. <coughs> As far as different occupations and distractions go, there isn't much that you can do about it. Life will be like that sometimes. There's always going to be difficulties externally. You're never going to get all your ducks in a row, as we used to say, get everything perfect in your outer world, and then get peace. You're going to have to find peace when things are all slightly disheveled or even more than that. <clears throat> Baba says, what you really need is the power of wisdom, the power of a cultivated intellect. By that power, one can work even more than before. And when he says wisdom here, he's talking about the wisdom of second education, which means the wisdom to know 
what thoughts are healthy for you and what thoughts are not healthy for you. What thoughts, what thoughts lead you to good feeling and what thoughts lead you away from good feeling. Sometimes we plunge right into a mindset that makes us miserable. We think, oh, I'm right, therefore I'll think this, but meanwhile we're making ourselves miserable. So the wisdom of second education is to know what uplifts us and what doesn't. Question, where does meditation come in? Is it a daily thing? Is it a practice? Is this part of the calming of the mind? Part of a daily routine that we must adopt? And these are all a bunch of academics asking Baba, quite interested. <clears throat> Baba, it would be good to meditate every day. Just as you eat every day, sleep every day, you earn money every day, you go to the factory every day, and return from there every day. Likewise, it would be good for one to meditate every day. So when one does everything else every day, one can certainly also meditate every day. Question, does each individual have their own meditation or is there one meditation which is appropriate for all people? Baba, the essence of meditation is to make the mind still. There are many different techniques which have been recommended for it, but it's the stillness that is very necessary. What matters is that no matter what technique one follows, the mind should become a little pure and a little steady. A little pure and a little steady. There are many people who will tell you, meditate this way or meditate that way, and one must learn to meditate, but the true meditation is that which arises from within. That's when a state of meditation overcomes you from within. Question, does a teacher is a teacher needed to kindle this spontaneous process of acquiring meditation? And Baba says, yes, that's very necessary. A being who can activate spontaneous meditation in you is a very high being. You cannot get cheated there. This kind of meditation would not cause any harm. Besides, that form of meditation will lead you to the state of perfection. That is the best kind of meditation. The kind of meditation that you do with your own effort is very ordinary. The beings who can pass you into spontaneous meditation are very rare, but if you can find such a one, that would be a great blessing. Besides, spontaneous meditation includes all different forms of meditation and all different forms of yoga, and one doesn't have to push oneself around thinking, I haven't done this, I must do that, I haven't learned this, I must go learn that. Bob was talking about his path, which was the path of Shaktipat, awakening. And when I met Baba, uh, I received this awakening from him. Many, many thousands of people did. Uh, it's a transformative inner awakening of the inner energy. And he's saying that when that happens, a transmission takes place that transforms the mind. Question, here we teach in the university the history of Hindu philosophy and I'd like to ask some advice from you how we could make a class more effective in other ways than academic. Baba says, the main thing for such a teacher is true personal experience. If you have direct personal experience, that convinces people quickly. And if you're without it, it takes you long to convince them. This is where second education meets first education. 
Anyone who teaches should have directly experienced the truth of his teaching. It is not just enough to function through books. Question. I understand that you have reached nirvana. <laughs> we always said Baba's a realized being, you know, come and meet Baba the realized being, so on. And I'd like to know if that is something you spent your long life at, or is it something that happened just one day, like spontaneous meditations happen just one day without effort? Baba says, the state of nirvana which I have attained is within everyone. <clears throat> Many years of my life was spent in quest of it on my own. Many, many years, not just many years. There are people who spend lifetimes in their quest, practicing different techniques, and yet nothing comes into their hands. <clears throat> so Baba uh, left home at an early age, 15, he says, and then traveled. India is like a network of ashrams and spiritual teachers and all kinds of things, and he traveled all around India and stayed in different ashrams. He learned different philosophies. He learned uh, Vedantic philosophy at an ashram in South India. Then he moved around and he settled finally uh, in Maharashtra state, which is sort of in the middle of the country near Mumbai, not far from Mumbai. And, uh, <clears throat> and um, so he practiced many philosophies, Hatha Yoga, Raja Yoga, all the different yogas. Uh, and uh, he had some attainment, but you'll hear what happens. He said, however, if you could find a being like the one whose picture you see in front, I mean, he's referring to Bhagwan Nityananda, whose statue is there. If you can obtain his grace, you could have a direct personal experience of that state in an instant by mere touch. Then one realizes that all the 10, 20, 30 years which one spent practicing different techniques really brought one nowhere. And that's what happened to Baba. After all these years of uh, seeking, suddenly he was in front of Bhagwan Nityananda and a transmission happened which blew his mind and began an inner process. Question, so the whole thing is finding God, finding a teacher, finding a guru. It doesn't depend on what meditation you do or what teacher you get it from. Baba says, yes, that is totally correct. I am one who practiced so many different methods and studied so many different scriptures, yet none of those techniques and none of my studies were of any help to me. It was only after receiving his touch, the touch of my guru, between my eyebrows, that I attained what I was looking for. And then I realized the truth of all the scriptures that I'd studied. I attained the goal of all the techniques that I'd practice. Again, he's talking about Shaktipat, also called the awakening of the Kundalini energy, the inner energy. Question, is it possible that after practicing all those techniques that you did, that this was a path of tests of overcoming obstacles that you had to go through to reach Nityananda? Baba, yes, it's true that no matter what techniques you do, it is bound to purify you to a certain degree. And I can also say that all the scriptures I read, all the practice I performed led me to Nityananda. But even if they had not done anything for me, I would have gone to him all the same because these techniques had failed. <laughs> He's saying they both failed and they didn't fail. I don't know. Question, what advice do you have for those of us who live in Ann Arbor, <clears throat> which is in the middle of the country in Michigan, 
where there are very few gurus to choose from. What is your advice to us to find the right guru for us? <laughs> Good question, isn't it? Uh, Baba says, when seekership manifests in you, when you become a seeker, a guru will come to you from somewhere or another. Even though a guru may appear to be a limited human form, he is all pervasive and he can give you messages from within, from anywhere. And what he's saying is, well, so I suddenly, in my own life, for reasons that I don't fathom, uh, certainly became obsessed with spirituality. I mean, I can point to certain things that happened, but my whole life suddenly changed. I had no interest in one minute it wasn't quite like one minute, but at one point I had no interest in anything like this, and I would have thought of it as completely weird. And then um, and suddenly I was uh, on fire with it. I had become a seeker, and I was driven, I was called to India. I didn't even, I never heard of Baba. I didn't know what happened, I got, but I got to him, is what happened. So that's what Baba's saying, that, that it, when you become ready, then, then the guru manifests in some way, or you're pulled to the guru. He says, he says, then besides there's the inner guru, the guru who's present in the triangle in the midst of the sahasrar. In the Guru Gita it says, Akatadhi There's a triangle here and guru resides in the highest center there. <clears throat> and the guru is actually there. So that guru, the inner guru, may show the path to the outer guru. And in India it happens quite often that an aspirant while meditating has a vision which tells him to go to this particular part of the country and meet this particular guru. And he goes there and that's how he finds his guru. So something like that happened to me. I didn't get a vision, but there was a, an inner necessity to go to India that happened to me. I can't explain it in my rather uh, modest and conventional life. Suddenly I was overwhelmed with this insane desire to leave everything and go to India, thinking that somewhere in that vast continent I would find a person who's going to show me the way to know myself. And exactly what happened. Isn't that weird? <clears throat> anyway, um, a, med <clears throat> a meditator, before attaining the vision of the final truth, has the vision of the guru within. One can see that guru, that guru is divine. There was a great saint in Maharashtra, uh, Tukaram Maharaj. In one of his poetic passages, he says that the Supreme Guru has erected a tiny house, as tiny as a sesame seed, and lives in that. That house is like a dot, like a bindu, and a meditator is able to see forms of many gods and goddesses uh, appearing and disappearing within this dot, within that house. Papa often spoke of the blue pearl, he called it a blue bindu. Uh, this like subtle uh, meditation experience, the subtlest point of form. <clears throat> Tukaram, who's the composer of this verse, says, uh, though that bindu appears to us so tiny, it holds in its belly all the three worlds, heaven, the mortal world, and hell. These are the three worlds of the macrocosm. Then there are the three worlds within the microcosm. The three worlds outside, subtle world and physical world. And then the three worlds inside, the world of waking dream and deep sleep. Those are the three inner worlds. 
<clears throat> that are held, that's also held in this tiny blue pearl that exists in all person. And that's why I say that man is very, very great. So that's a very mystical language. But what Bob is saying in a practical sense is we have fabulous, enormous potential that we're not uh, achieving. We have tremendous spiritual possibility within us for wisdom and for happiness and for love, and that if we pay a little attention to that, if we move in that direction, we can, it will yield tremendous fruits. That's what he's saying uh, in that way. He says, um, in a sense, Baba says, I'm sitting here in this chair. I have my body covered with certain clothes. And if I were to look at my clothes, I would not be able to see my body. I would know only my clothes. Likewise, if I look at my body, I, wouldn't be, I would be able to only know the body, not the bodiless one living in the body, not the consciousness that lives within the body. And it's only when I look at the bodiless one who dwells within the body that I come to know that I am that. That that's my true identity, is the consciousness that lives within the body. I would become aware of who I really am, and I would become aware of my own worthiness, of my own greatness, of my own divinity. <clears throat> How's my voice? All right? Too irritating? Can you bear it? You're just saying, make me happy? So. Yeah. <clears throat> it's all right? It's irritating me. I think I'll, let's finish this. Uh, question. In the time that I've known of you, this is actually a devotee speaking now, I've worked through so many things in my mind that I was unable to work through in psychotherapy, and I wonder how is that possible? Bob says, that's due to the power of his touch, pointing to Nityananda. Even psychiatrists can't impart that touch. It's only a rare one who's arrived there and who can give you this touch. This is due to inner awakening, due to a subtle yoga which is going on inside of you and as a result of that. And Baba tells the group, she is a reporter from Honolulu and all this happens because of the inner touch and this is what you may call the easy path. It's also known as Siddha Yoga or the Yoga of Shaktipat. So I know who he's talking about, Mahananda, Peggy Bendet. And she'd gotten Shaktipat earlier in the tour, and she joined the tour, came with Baba. This takes you to the other side of the mind. There was a great yogi who lives in a place near Pune, and he was the greatest of all yogis. He used to say, and this is a good one for psychologists, oh my mind, why don't you enjoy that which remains over when the mind ceases to be mind, when the mind merges itself into the highest truth, the supreme truth. So that which remains over after the mind ceases to be mind, why don't you become aware of that? This inner touch also cleanses the impurities of the mind. <clears throat> Question, is it not enough to have perfect faith in oneself? What else do you need? Baba, it's great to have faith in yourself. One finds it quite easy to put trust in everything 
And it's very difficult to put trust in yourself. If someone were to tell you that the highest energy dwells in water, then you'd rush towards water. If somebody tells you the highest energy dwells in fire, you rush towards fire. If someone were to come and tell you the highest energy dwells within you, you would say, how can that be possible? I'm inferior, I'm a sinner, I'm a loser. The whole purpose of meditation is to give you this faith in your own self. Not for the attainment of God, because God has always been there inside of you. It's because of this lack of faith within our own self that we haven't been able to experience him. Question, is pure faith enough? Baba, all you need is that faith. And that faith should be real, nothing else. All you need is to believe that there's this possibility within. Just to believe that profoundly and then try to uncover it. <clears throat> he, then he says, the man sitting next to you is the teacher of Vedanta, and that's uh, Swami Tejo Mayananda. It's an Indian Swami who's traveling with Baba then. Um, and one of the key phrases in Vedanta is Brahmanishta, uh, one who has faith in the absolute, in the supreme being who's established in Brahman. And so Brahmanishta means the knower of Brahman. Brahman is the term for the absolute. We could say it's pure consciousness, universal consciousness. So in Vedanta, one who is Brahmanishta is, is a self-realized being, uh, established in the absolute. So he says, that person has pure faith in the self. Faith is great power. If you had faith in yourself, then you're doing, if you have faith in yourself, then you're doing the greatest good for yourself. A seeker gets guru's grace when he gives the guru his grace. So when a disciple gives the grace to the guru, the guru's grace flowers naturally into him. <clears throat> so that's Baba's talk to Ann Arbor. And Davy Mar passed out, didn't hear a word of it. Because the, the Baba's energy was so strong that she just passed out. Do you remember any of that? No. <laughs> now you know what he said. Yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> so the essence is that several things. Uh, one is to that potential. So we do a lot of things. We spend a lot of time on our relationships and our career. We try to make our relationships work, uh, find the right person, and then go through the painful and difficult process of convincing them that we're right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we look for the right career, and then we achieve a career, and then <clears throat> we find we're frustrated and we're not expressing ourselves completely in it. So then we look for another career, and finally we end up um, being an aromatherapist. <laughs> so, so, I hope nobody's an aromatherapist in here. And then I'm in hot water. <clears throat> How, what am I saying? I 
I really lost my track here. Yeah. <laughs> you give a lot of attention. What? You give a lot of attention to your worldly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We, th thank you. Yeah, that was helpful. <clears throat> he's a very new ashramite, and, and he seems to have seized a lot in just one day in the ashram. He's. <laughs> So, um, <clears throat> so we spend a lot of time in these, in our relationships, our careers, and so on. Uh, we should also spend some time in directly turning the awareness from that to this. Turn within. And then there are great riches to be discovered in there. The mind, if we learn how to quiet the mind, we can find that clear space of good feeling. And that space has tremendous power. The more we dip into it, the more we sit in that clear space of good feeling, it nourishes every cell in the body. It nourishes our heart, it nourishes our mind, it makes us wise, it makes us happy, and so on. It makes us very powerful. And that's why we meditate. So let's meditate for 10 minutes. And tonight's been a, a great night, celebration of the Divine Mother and celebration of uh, all the graduates and all that. And, Magnificent chanting program, so many great things. <clears throat> so now let's celebrate the self. Within every person, there is a place of love, a place of peace, a place of wisdom, a place of great strength and detachment, great joy, great nobility. And we can discover that place and we can cultivate that return to that place. Now let's turn within, look within, meditate on the self. Let the mind become peaceful and quiet. As Baba said, it doesn't matter what method you use, he would give the mantra which we give here, Om Namah Shivaya, which is a beautiful way just to still the mind, quiet the mind, so that the self can flower. But whatever method you use, use that method. Become quiet and let the power of the self, the power of love manifest within. We'll meditate now for 10 minutes. And once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satpunar Maharaj Ki Jai.